Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, good evening. We're going through the book of Galatians, and uh, Paul is uh, kind of dealing with this church in a little heavy-handed manner. And you would think after a couple of chapters, he would be done with it, but he's not. And so tonight, what we're going to look at is half of chapter 3, and as he continues. Now, there's a number there on your screen that if you have a question, you can text it in, and we'll try to answer it as best we can. But tonight, let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, as Paul continues to talk to them about their problems. And he begins with, we receive the Holy Spirit by believing. We receive the Holy Spirit by believing. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now notice, this isn't the first time he said this about them. He's kind of said this before in the same way. And so he's still going after this. He says, who has cast an evil spell on you? The meaning of Jesus' death was made clear to you as if you had seen it as a picture of his death on the cross. And let me ask you this one question. Now notice, Paul's going to ask more than one question. He's going to ask several here in these next couple of verses. So just look at the questions that he's answered. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Question. Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? There it is again. He kind of is really getting hard on them, isn't he? Letting them know, man, come on, you're thinking wrong. You're going the wrong direction. What's going on here? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Another question. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Another question. Surely it was not in vain, was it? Another question. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Question. Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Now, when we talk about the law, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. We're talking about the Old Testament sacrificial system. It was the law that they had to keep that God instituted, gave through Moses. And he says, that's what the law is about. That's what you're still trying to do. And it even goes before that, as you're going to find out in a moment, it goes all the way back to the time of Abraham. So from that point on, there were certain requirements that Jewish people had to follow in order to be acceptable to God. But he kind of wants to get across a point for them. That is no longer the case. That is no longer how it works. Our salvation is now the result of a sovereign Father through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he wants them to understand. Romans 8 9. Here's another way that he puts it so that you and I make sure we understand it. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Because if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. If you don't have that Spirit, you're, you're not a Christian. Over in Ephesians, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, 
And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. As a Christian, God lives in you. Christ lives in you. The Spirit lives in you. And so He is alive in us. It's no longer just us and our spirit, but it's the Spirit of God that comes in. Creates a little conflict sometimes, but when I become a Christian, Christ comes and dwells in me by the Spirit of God. So that's what He wants to get across to them. Then He goes on to say that we're righteous because of our faith. Well, Pastor, I don't understand how that can happen. Spirit of God, that just doesn't, that kind of, kind of sounds crazy to me, Spirit. It, that's kind of spooky. No, we don't always understand it. That's why we live by faith. Faith means I don't always understand it, but I still believe it. I know it's true because God says it's true. What we're reading tonight tells me it's true. So therefore, whether I can understand how that happens or not is really kind of immaterial because I have to choose to believe that. And when I choose to believe that, that's called faith. Notice what he says, verse 6, Galatians chapter 3. In the same way, and now he goes back to Abraham. Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Because Abraham believed, God said, you're righteous. How did he believe? By faith. Verse 7, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in His sight because of their faith. Because remember, there's a battle going on here between the Jews and the Gentiles. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when He said, all the nations will be blessed through you. All the nations, all the people groups, all people will be blessed through you, Abraham. I, all who put their faith in Christ, share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Paul says, God said to Abraham, Abraham, what you're doing here is going to have an effect on everybody who's ever lived. Because you believe me, I'm counting you as righteous. You believe what I say. You do what I ask. And Abraham went ahead and his blessing was given to him by God as the solution to the sin problem of mankind. You believe in God. We receive Abraham's blessing when we become a part of his family. Now see, the Jews believed that you could only become a part of his family through circumcision. Paul is trying to get them away from that and trying to help them to understand that you become a part of that family by faith. It's no longer by keeping the rules and the laws, by being circumcised. It is now by faith, and there's a difference. Remember, the problem is there's some people coming into this church, this group of people, who are trying to teach them, yes, you can accept Christ, but you also should be circumcised and keep the Old Testament law. It's not one or the other, it's both. And Paul's saying it's not both, it's only through Jesus Christ. Again, we go to Romans Romans Galatians are very close in what they have to say to us and how they say it. And here's what he says in Romans. This bless, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. 
But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous. In other words, God said, Abraham, I believe you, what you say is true. I believe you have a heart that you believe in me. Therefore, I declare you as righteous. That was before circumcision was ever instituted. Even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith, but who have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith, not because of some act that they did to try and keep the law. Now, last week we talked a little bit about this because you and I, we like rules. I grew up, been in church all my life. There were a lot of rules as a kid when I was growing up. You couldn't look like this. You couldn't dress like that. You couldn't go to this place. You couldn't do them. Some of them made a lot of sense. Some of them were very good for me. But the rules don't make me a Christian. Therefore, no one can say, well, I'm a good person. Because as we're going to see in just a moment, that doesn't cut it. Salvation comes through faith, not through keeping the law or the rules. He goes on in chapter 4 and verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Boy, isn't that a great way to live? Fully convinced that no matter where I'm at, that whatever God has promised, He will do it. And nothing will stop Him. Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. You notice Paul's repeating himself. Paul's giving us different things. He's saying it again and again. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded. It was for our benefit too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous. If we believe in Him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And He was raised to life to make us right with God. So Paul, Romans, Galatians, throughout the New Testament, as we mentioned, mentioned last time, you know, Paul has to deal with this issue going on throughout the church many times in most of his books. He's addressing this issue because it's destroying the early church. So he's trying to get them, look, you've got the father of faith here. You've got the one that you say is the beginning of the, the Jewish nation. Abraham is that man. And so he wasn't welcomed, accepted, counted as righteous for God because of what he did. He was counted as righteous because he believed. And that's still true for us today. He goes on to talk about how the law can never make us right with God. The law can never make us right with God. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under His curse. Now, let me make sure you understand that word curse because it probably has a little different meaning than what you're thinking. Curse simply means this. Curse means you're judged as guilty and you deserve punishment. You've been tried, you've been found guilty, you deserve punishment. That's what that word means when he uses it here. 
So he's saying, look, he make us right with God. We were under his curse. Why? Because we were guilty. We had broken the law. We hadn't done what God said. Because scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For as the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. Now, you see, the law is this big package. If you break one part of it, you're guilty of breaking it all. It's not peace, peace, peace. Look at it as one unit. Thus, Jesus, when he was teaching, he said something like this. If you hate someone, you're guilty of murder. Because hatred and murder both are there, but you break one, you've broken them all. Well, I just told a little lie. You lied, so you've broken them all. So once you break one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking it all. You can't say, well, you know what, I'm a good person, and I keep 95%. I do everything that I know I'm supposed to do. Well, you've broken the law. Therefore, you're cursed. You are guilty, and you deserve punishment. You see, we tend to think, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so because I don't do some of the things they do. You know, I'm not like that. I'm still a good person. I still try to do everything right. I still try to, you know, treat people nice and be nice to babies and kind to people and gentle with the animals. And I try to do all the good stuff and look at all the nice things I've done. Well, but have you ever lied to somebody? Well, but we've all lied. That's why we're all guilty. That's what Paul's saying here. It is impossible for you to live and not break the law. You can't keep it. You can't do it. It's impossible. The law is all or nothing. Once you break one part of it, you've broken it all. And so, Paul says, look, that's not the way you can live. And you have to understand, the law can't make you right with God because you have broken part of it. That's why Jesus Christ was the only one who ever lived who never broke the law. He never committed a sin. He did everything right. And so you and I have to understand that what Paul is trying to get these people to understand is stop trying to win approval from God by what you're doing, being circumcised, keeping the Old Testament regulation. Stop it. It's not going to help you. When you do that, you're diminishing the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Don't go there. And that's what he wants him to understand. He's taken two chapters already. We're in the third one. You would think by now as this congregation is reading this letter, they're going to say, enough already. Come on. But Paul just keeps pouring it on. Oh, foolish Galatians. Come on. Where are you going here? What are you doing? Don't you see it? It's from the very beginning. Don't go in this direction. Understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. Christ rescued us from the curse of the law. He's the one who put us into a place where we're declared not guilty. We're not found guilty. We're not deserving punishment. Notice what he says. Christ has rescued us from the curse, found guilty, deserving punishment, 
pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he looked upon himself, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoings. He took our guilt and put it on himself. For it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. In other words, anyone who was hanging on a cross was guilty. They had done something that deserved death, that deserved punishment. That's why they were there. And so Paul says what Christ did, he took our sins. He took our breaking of the rules. He took it upon himself and he carried that to the cross. And through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. To the Jewish people, that kind of put a little shiver in their spine. Oh, Gentiles. You know, they had nothing good to say about them. They're just dogs. They're not deserved. They're not like we are. We're God's chosen people. And Paul says, look, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. That when I come to receive Christ by faith, believe that He died on a cross for my sins, that I get to go free and am no longer declared guilty. His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells within me. And I am forgiven. It's a great way to live. It's a great way to live. You see, I think too many people today don't understand about how great it is, how precious it is, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, lives in us, dwells in us. And remember, we read some verses earlier where it said, if you don't have that, you're not a Christian. So that Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is working. How do I ever see that? By faith. I believe he's there. Well, can you feel him? Oh, sometimes maybe. But that isn't how we live. We don't live by feelings. Well, can you see him? No, but maybe with some fruit I might, you know, the fruit of the Spirit comes out and maybe there's some visible traits there that we'll deal with later in Galatians. But how do you know? Faith. I believe what Paul just wrote And what he just said, I believe what Jesus Christ did on a cross, and I believe God lives in me through his Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's at work in me. Because let's be honest, uh, all of us uh, need to be worked upon sometimes, don't we? All of us are people that aren't everything we should be. And so the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, to work in us from the inside so that it comes out. And He's at work in our lives to help us to be like Christ, to help us to live a life believing of faith and obeying God. See, I don't keep the rules to earn salvation. I keep the rules because I love God. I do it as a result of who lives in me, and He's working in me. So let's look just a little bit as we wrap this up about what He's doing in us. First of all, Holy Spirit's the only way to God. 
you and I came to Christ because of the work of the Holy Spirit. He draws us to Himself. He draws us to God. He, he brings us into God's presence. Some of you are praying for some friends or unsaved loved ones that you have. The Holy Spirit working on them to bring them to God. And the only way to God is what Christ has done on a cross through the work of the Holy Spirit. John 3, 6. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus when he says, what do you mean I got to be born again? I don't understand that. Jesus talks to him and says, look, humans only reproduce humans, but God is a spirit, and the spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Ephesians chapter 2, none of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Now, excuse me, now all of us, none of us, <laughs> now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So the Holy Spirit is my avenue to God. He's my connection with God. He's dwelling in me. He brings me to God. He brings conviction into our life. He helps us to do those things that honor God. And so He's at work, and it's the only way I have. It's through the Spirit bringing me to God when I accept what Jesus Christ has done for me on a cross. His work is also ongoing. Don't think for a moment, well, I'm saved now, so I've got the Spirit, so I'm done. Oh no, you've just started. The Holy Spirit has just started. Now that you're saved, He wants to work in you so that you become the person that you want to be and God wants you to be, and He keeps working in our lives. It's ongoing. It never stops. He works to produce fruit inside of us that comes out of us. He keeps working to change us into the image of Christ. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow, confident hope. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled. In the original, the implication is keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you and I, every day, have to remind ourselves that I want to live to honor God. And you and I have this battle that goes on that we're in constant conflict. Paul in other places says, look, I have to die every day. I have to say no to myself so that I can say yes to God and the Holy Spirit wants me to be filled with Him so that there's no room left for me to be filled with me. And so He's ongoing, working on me on a daily basis. And to be honest with you, the way He works on me, I'm surprised He's got enough time left over to work on anybody else. But that's what He does. He's able to deal with each one of us individually, isn't He? To help us to become the person that God has chosen us to be. So he then helps us to obey. He helps us to do what's right. Because once I become a Christian, once I accept Christ in my life, my life now changes. 
I now have to become a different person. I now look at things differently. And here's how Paul wrote it in Romans. Therefore, dear brothers, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. If you live by the dictates your sinful nature, if you live listening to it, if you live in a manner that you take directions from it, you'll die. You won't have life. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will have life. You'll live. You'll know what real living is about. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. God says, if you'll listen to me, you don't have to keep rules. Because of your love for me and your love for uh, people, you will obey and do what is right. Not to earn something, not to try to get approval, but doing it because there's a relationship with God that brings you into that place where that's the desire of your heart and your life. Later on in Galatians, we'll get to this later, but let's look at it here. Chapter 5, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Well, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Well, let's put your spirit with God's spirit and let's see how close you come. See, we're selfish. We go our own way, do our own thing. He says, but if you put that to death but live by the Spirit, you know, you'll have life. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other. You're not free to carry out your good intention. It doesn't just happen on your own. You can't just, well, I have good intentions. Those good intentions aren't so good. He says, I'm here. I want to help you obey and be the person you want to be and God wants you to be. So the Holy Spirit also is working to help us overcome. You see, as we live in this life, there's battles that we face. And here's the key to understanding this. If I will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and if I will let the Holy Spirit control my life, I will win every battle. The battles that I lose are the battles I try to fight on my own, doing it my own way, under my own strength, with my own wisdom instead of the wisdom of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, You belong to God, my dear children. You've already have victory over these, those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in this world greater, more powerful, above all. And so he's working in us, helping us be victorious, overcoming whatever battle we're up against. And as long as we listen to him, live in him, let him direct our steps and obey him, he gives us victory in every area of our life. The battle is, though, oftentimes, I think I know a better way to do this. I wanted to go a different way and have a different course and I want to do something differently. I get into trouble. And so he wants there, he's working to help us be the people he wants us to be so that we can overcome and be victorious. And finally, 
He obtains eternal life for us. Because you see, the Spirit of God that lives in me is the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that same Spirit will also bring us alive from the dead. Romans 8.10 Christ lives within you. The Spirit. You see, they, uh, Paul doesn't have a problem. We shouldn't either. Whether I say God lives in you, Christ lives in you, the Spirit lives in you, all the same. So you, even though your body will die because of sin, I've broken the rule. I'm guilty. I deserve punishment. The Scripture gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Wow. Why do you and I have eternal life? Because eternal God is within us. Living in us. And His victory is my victory. And His life is my life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that I'm going to be saved. And so Paul writes to these people, and he could just as easily write to us today, listen, don't go all these different directions trying to think you can earn God's favor or that you're good enough to do it or you get to make the rules and you think you're good enough to handle things and smart enough to look at things. Don't buy into that. By faith, believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross because He was, took our curse, our sins, our guilt, and carried Him there. And because by faith I believe in Him, His Spirit now lives in me. And friends, that's the greatest way in the world to live. Alive to God. Let's pray. Lord, today maybe there's somebody listening here tonight who's trying to live life on their own and thinking they can do it by themselves and they know what's best. And as Paul has clearly laid out here, that is just not the case. We're all guilty. We've all broken the law. And therefore, we're cursed. We deserve punishment. But you came to set us free so that we could live and have life when you place your Spirit within us because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the life you give to us. Help us to live in that joy, in that peace, and in that confidence, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.